for that. But um, just has, is this on tape? Because I've got a word for the church. Um, I don't know if there's going to be individual words this morning, but Tony and Lynette, um, I was thinking about how things never ever turn out the way we dream they would. You know, we have this um, we have this goal, and we have the promises of the Lord, and now in our own minds we have this picture of how it's going to play out and what the journey might look like, and it never ever works out the way we think. That's because God's ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. But that which broke out, um, I can't remember how many years ago, years ago but uh, when you were in that other church, Tony, and uh, there was a season of about eight months of absolute heavenly bliss and outpouring, that seed, this church still carries. And I want to declare prophetically today that if you continue to walk the way that you're walking, if you continue to keep walking, you're cutting through a tract where there has been no track. Okay, God is teaching you a new way because it's too easy to get into learned behavior from the past. It's too easy to look back at what we've had and then want to walk into the future and embrace the future out of the old wineskin mindsets. That's not for you. Yours is to keep walking because the unexpected suddenly is going to happen. Okay? You cannot make it happen. You can't earn it. You can't go out and do a set uh, program. You can't do one and one make two. You can't do four and four make eight. It's as you walk in relationship with him and obedience to him that God is going to do this thing because he promised so I want to encourage you guys to keep walking. I want to say something to the worship team. That is the most refreshing. How do I say this? It's the most refreshing, unprogrammed worship I've ever heard anywhere in the world. It is not, it's not about atmosphere. It's not about you creating atmosphere. It's about a sound from heaven and you carry a sound and you don't need smoke machines you don't need loudness you don't need to drown the congregation out with your energy uh, creating music so that you have energy in the atmosphere God is enough energy for all of us you need to continue to walk in that. Don't try to be anybody else to be yourselves. You will find that there's difficulty for you because you won't know how to flow. But as you keep walking, God will do this thing. God will do it. You just keep walking. That's all you have to do. And every day you wake up, you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to do it because he's the only one that can. So I want to encourage you as a worship team, you keep plowing the ground because you can't plow and you can't sow and not have a harvest because it's an eternal principle. So how do you do some of this stuff? It's real practical. You have a coat 
and it's a coat of many, many colours. And it's your coat. You only fit it. No one else fits it. You can't do it the way anybody else has done it. And God put a promise in the prophetic destiny of the birthing of this church. God promised that he wanted to do something. He wanted to unlock a world that had been blocked for many, many years in this region. And he unblocked it, but religious flesh came and killed it. God is in the process of unblocking it again. And there is no way that it can be stopped provided you keep walking, provided you keep doing, and providing you begin to understand who you are in him. It's really, really important. Don't try to be anybody else. God has made each and every one of you unique. You have a coat. Your heavenly father has given you a coat of many colors, just like Joseph. The promise is there. And so for me, it comes down to relationship first and foremost. You need to know him. And then out out of that comes obedience and trust. And it's not obedience like Pharisees, like legalism, obeying a set of rules. It's obedience that comes out of relationship as he speaks to your heart. And as he speaks to your heart as individuals and you begin to pick up what he's asking you to do, then the world begins to open. You add momentum to the corporate thing. It's really important. Don't box each other in. What God has called you to do might not be what God has called the church to do. It it adds to what God has put in the heartbeat of the prophetic destiny of this church. But it doesn't center around what you think you should be doing or how it should be done. Providing each member of this body is obedient to the Lord and what God has shown them to do, collectively the momentum and explosion and the suddenly will come. So don't don't get mad because nobody else is coming around your particular vision and your particular thing that God is asking you to do. Just be obedient and do it. And if you need others around you to walk with you, God will add to that because it's God that adds to it, not man. It's really, really important. So I want to encourage you today, keep walking. Four years ago, or five years ago, this coming Easter, I was minding my own business in a conference and found myself underneath the chairs. And there was this, I don't know what this is, and I don't talk about it often, but I want to share a little bit around it today because God is getting ready to move, not only in this church, but he's getting ready to move in this nation. And it's about positioning of his people. And so in in this kind of open heaven, visitation kind of, I don't know whether I was taken up or taken sideways, I have no idea, but Jesus came to me and he was riding a horse when leading other horses. The reason that he was riding a horse is that if anything has a horse in it, it gets my attention. And he needed to get my attention that day. And as we had a conversation um, 
and and then you know he just says oh do you want to come for a ride and so I hopped on one of the horses and away we went and we went up to this high place I know it sounds crazy but we went up to this high place and then we were overlooking this land we were and you could see the plains below and the lowlands below and he passed me in a trumpet and he said put it to your lips and begin to blow and as I began to blow, I began to see the heavenly armies of God begin to gather in a mass over this nation and over this land. And then I saw other faces in the multitude of God's army. And some of those faces were the people that had died and gone home to glory. And then as he continued to encourage me to keep blowing, I began to see faces of people who I knew, saints that were alive today. And you need to understand that even though you can't see it, there is a heavenly army surrounding you as a people and as individuals that fight for you and you're part of that army that you cannot see. And as you continue to fulfill, it's in the sound. It's not in the works it's in the sound that you make when you trust your heavenly Father. It's in the sound that you make when you step out in faith, believing that God has spoken to you and you begin to walk. That breaks open. It's that same sound that pulled down the walls of Jericho. You can't make it happen, but you can cooperate in relationship with the Father and it will happen. It will happen. And so as we continued to blow, he turned to me and he said, I'm getting ready to move, not only in your nation, but in the nations of this world. And he said, I want you to position yourself so you can be a part of what I am about to do. So he wasn't saying I was going to be a spearhead and it was all going to flow through me. No, he was asking me to preach a message about telling God's people to allow themselves to be positioned by the Holy Spirit so that you can be a part of what he wants to do in this nation and the nations of the world. And that positioning I want to talk to you a little bit about today. How many of you have had promises and prophetic words? Come on. Has it all come to pass yet? Has any of it come to pass? Some of it? Okay, I'm the same. That's, that's pretty good. It's not a bad start. Awesome. That is cool, dude. That's very good. So I want to talk to you about the fulfillment of the promise. Because in Jeremiah 29, you want to base scripture this morning, Jeremiah 29, 11 through to 13, and you can look it up yourself um, because he's thrown all my notes out the window. I'm not even going to bother. I'll give you the scripture reference. So I know the plans I have for you, they're for good and not for evil, for a future and a hope. Okay, this is what God has for his people. And I was reminded in the worship of Moses, how he led the people out of Egypt and he came to the Red Sea and he had the Egyptian army at his back and the, and the Red Sea and nowhere to go. And they started to begin to complain and grumble and wish they were back in Egypt. I mean, how can that be? They've just been freed from slavery. And God said to Abraham, what is that that is in your hand? And he said, well, it's my staff, my rod. And he said, put out the rod. 
and the waters parted. We all know the story. I want to ask you the question today, what is in your hand? See, for some of you it'll be obvious, for some of you it won't be. But here's the deal. In relationship, you talk to the person you're in relationship with. And the Holy Spirit is the active member of the Godhead on this earth. And if you don't know where you fit, you begin to talk to the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost, and he will begin to position you into where you fit so that you'll begin to know through relationship what it is you're to put your hand to or what it is you have in your hand. That's the first step. You've got to begin to seek his face. Not because you have to. You know, I, I, I read the word every day because the word's good for me. The word says if you get that word in you, it brings healing to your bones. Even the Logos. You know, I don't understand half the stuff that I read. I just get it in there. I don't even take notes anymore. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't take notes. I still take notes in some circumstances. But it's just get this in. Get this in. doesn't matter whether you know it, understand it, but get it into you. Okay, so that's the second step. Get the word into you. It doesn't matter if you try to read the Bible in a year and you don't succeed. Just finish it off in the next year and you'll be fine. You'll get there. Keep walking. Keep walking. Okay? And so once you discover what it is that's in your hand, then begin to be obedient and trust that which God has called you to do. I hope you haven't stopped writing books, girl, because there's a lot more to come. Okay, there is a lot more to come. You don't understand how powerful that is in the big picture. Keep writing. Keep writing. So, I want to give you some practical how-tos. Once you discover who, it, you know, what, think, think about this. This will be helpful for you. What is it, just naturally, if you think about it, what is it that you love? What do you love to do? What floats your boat? Think about it. Is it people float your boat? Is it music or worship that floats your boat? What is it? You know, is it Harley Davidson's that float your boat? There's something about a motorbike that floats my boat. You know, there's something about just drinking coffee and hanging out with people that floats my boat. You know? Put a rifle in my hand and I go hunting, it floats my boat. Put a fishing rod in my hand, it floats my boat. It'll be different for you, but what floats your boat? Because that'll point to you who you are and how God's made you. You might like fashion. That's cool. I know someone that like, uh, was naturally, just had this uh, ability um, to be creative and, and, and love fashion. She opened her own business. And it struggled for the first few years, but it got going and it was a huge success. God wants you to be an influencer in your community. It's simple. It's not hard. And you don't have to know the four spiritual laws. You just have to get out there and begin to let your boat go out on the water and begin to be who you are in your community. You know, Linda works uh, in the PSA, 
which is um, Public Service Association. It's the biggest union in New Zealand. Both here and I are not unionists. We've never supported unions. We're not anti-union, but we're not unionists. You know, there's a lot of liberalism. There's a lot of socialism. There's a there's the weird bunch of people that work in that place. She's been working there for nearly 12 years, 13 years. You hardly ever hear a swear word anymore. When she first started there, every second word was a swear word. You know, there was a certain culture in that place, and and. Linda, being who she is in God, relationally, has helped change the culture. She gets to pray for people. She even gets to speak into the lives of the bosses in the organization because God has given her favor just because she was obedient. She didn't know how. She was shy. She's not an extrovert in terms of evangelism or uh, getting out there and sharing her faith. She, she just loved on people and was who God made her. And God began to open up doors. We've seen some amazing miracles in the workplace because we've prayed. And we pray for hankies. There's one guy, a uh, Samoan guy, who needed to come to New Zealand for a heart operation. And he was dying and um, he didn't have the money to come to New Zealand. His sister went over to say goodbye to him. His sister works with Linda. And... Um, Linda felt strongly to pray for, that we were to pray for a cloth and give it to, to her, and she took it over. And he was uh, bedridden at the time when she arrived in Samoa, and he could hardly move his head from side to side. He couldn't even get out of bed. He was confined to bed. And they let her and um, her mother in to speak briefly for a few minutes to her brother. And she leaned over and put the hanky on his chest and whispered in his ear and told him what it was and what it was for. And he kind of nodded and then he just sort of dozed off. When they got back to the hospital the next morning, the, st the staff came out and they said, you're not going to believe what's happened. Within 20 minutes of you leaving, he had got out of bed and taken himself to the bathroom. See, God can use you. You need to hear how. You need to hear his voice. That comes with the relationship. It's just, it's more about, you know, the most important thing that you can do is get to know your Heavenly Father. It's relationship. It's not coming to church every Sunday. We need to gather, you know, the, we're supposed to fellowship like this. This is good. And it's not paying your tithes. It's not doing all the outward things. It, the positioning that I spoke of before is about a positioning of the heart. And when your heart is touched by your Heavenly Father's heart, then out of love you're compelled to move. To bring it closer to home, just recently, over the last two years, three years, both Lynn and I had been praying and asking God, you know, how do we, you know, what's wrong with our salt and what's wrong with our light? Because we don't seem to be seeing a lot of people get saved. You know, we see some people get healed. But, you know, I don't even know my neighbours. How do we break out into the community that we live in? And in our community, there's a coffee shop. It's owned by a Christian guy. And um, he's had it for about 16 years now. And he... You know, he, had a, he, he opened it because he had a heart for the community. And as I began to pray, and Linda was praying too, I started to meet different ones in our community that had the same cry in their heart 
wanting to know how we could see God move outside the walls of the church. And, and so uh, after about six or seven months, we started meeting each other in this coffee bar, just having coffee and talking about it, praying about it, sharing our journey about it. And then one bright spark in the group, there's about half a dozen of us, we were sitting there one afternoon, and he looked at him and he says, well, when are you going to pull the trigger? And I'm going, what do you mean I'm going to pull the trigger? He says, well, you know, we're, you know, you need to do something. And I'm thinking, well, so do you, you know. And then he said, you know, why don't we just start meeting? And I said, I'm waiting for God to show us where to meet because we didn't want to meet in a, in a church. Not, not because it was bad, but we wanted to do something in the community and it needed to be an unchurched thing. That was what was on our hearts. And so, so um, he said, well, why don't you ask Michael, the owner of the cafe, if you can meet in this place? And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to do that. He's going to say no. Then Michael comes over to the table. And um, I look at him and I said, hey, bro, can we have a prayer meeting in your place on a Friday night after the cafes? Close. He says, oh, why do you want to do that? I said, well, we want to start praying for the community. Oh, I'll think about it. Come and see me in about three or four days. So the ne <clears throat> next minute, one of the other guys in the group around the coffee table fell off his chair. And this, this is in the middle of the coffee shop, you know, minding our own business. And see, this is what happens when you get just real with God. He just wants you to be real with him. Just be real with him. Relate to him. And anyway... We finally, the guy picks himself up off the floor and I'm going, what the heck are you doing down there, bro? And he goes, well, I've just had this open heaven vision. I said, what? And Michael, the owner of the coffee shop, is still standing there and, and David goes, I've just seen all these people in the coffee shop slain in the spirit and, and out in the car park and everything. And Michael just about falls over. He gets so drunk and he doesn't get drunk. And we look at him and he says, oh my God, when I first obeyed the Lord and opening that coffee shop, that was the vision that God gave me 15 years ago. So I went in a few days later, it was about two days, I think, and I bowled into the kitchen to see how he was doing. He says, oh, it's a yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So now we're stuffed, aren't we? And to cut a long story short, we've just been praying on Friday nights for nearly three years. It'll be coming up three years. And we've, we've seen the first thing that happened, there's only ever been about a half a dozen or 12 people just praying for the community. And um, <clears throat> the first thing that happened was this guy, there's some flats on top of the shops. This guy would sit out on a Friday night smoking his pot and just chilling out after his week's work and and he'd hear this music coming from underneath the shop. So he went in to find out where the music was coming and why. It's, he's lived there for 10 years, never made any contact with Christians. Now he's got contact with Christians and he's in relationship with these guys. Then the lady who owns a day spa up in to, is into all sorts of weird and wacky stuff and Eastern religion. One of the girls in the prayer group led her to the Lord within about three months. You know, she still doesn't come near church, but we're praying that one day she'll get there because she's been 
you know, had some bad experiences a few years ago. And, and then another guy is working with gang kids, you know, kids at risk through Black Power and Mungramon. And um, he's sitting, he comes in, we don't even know where he came from. He just walks in one night. We don't know, because we don't advertise. He walks in one night and he sits there and this guy, he's got tats all over him and he's got dreads down to the back of his knees and, and I'm, we're all looking at it going, well, we, you know, who are you? And anyway, after we've finished praying and worshipping, he says, oh, you mind if I say something? And Mike will look at me and go, I don't know that I want him to say anything. <laughs> and so I just, we just felt it was right. And so he says, I came in here with this pain in my chest. He says, as I sat in your worship, the pain went. Three weeks later, he, he, he started to come, but about three weeks he came in and he had this bit of paper from the Hutt Hospital and it was the signature from his medical team. He'd been fighting cancer for nearly eight years and he was completely healed, not in remission, completely healed. Another, another, see, this is what God can do. What is, what, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You know, what is it? Maybe it's for you walking the streets and bumping into people and, you know, sharing the gospel. I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is for you. But God will tell you, God is so waiting for you to even ask. He is so itching to let you in on what it is you have in your hand so that you can be positioned and be a part. It, it could be just build relationships. You might be very good with building relationships with people and you meet with them and have a coffee. One of the ladies in the prayer group meets with all these non-Christian pe girls that have just had babies in the community. There's two groups now that meet in the cafe. Cafe is just like church. It just doesn't have a name on the door. We all go to different churches. We don't care where the people go. Couldn't give a rip. We just want them to get planted into the body of Christ so that they can grow and be meaningful members, not only of the body, but expand the kingdom of God. That's, that's what we're after. And then there's this old geezer, about 78, the biggest pain in my butt that ever has been, I reckon. You know, I did my Christian duty. You see, I've been going in and out of that cafe for 14 years on my way to work. And Ross would say hello, and I'd do my Christian duty, my plastic Christianese. And I'd say hello to him, I was a good Christian, but I wouldn't sit down and have a cup of coffee with him because he is a pain in the butt, man, I tell you. He was so self-centered. Oh, come on. And anyway, that we'd been praying for nearly two years. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, the Lord, Lord had been talking to me a few years before that about being a vessel of his love. And we were having a conversation about that. And I was thinking, man, you have changed me a little bit. And then he goes, what about Ross? <sighs> Oh, there was nothing I could say. I was guilty as charged. So the very next day, I walked into the cafe and Ross was sitting at the table and I grabbed the coffee and went and sat down with him. And over the next six months, I, I, I actually sat down and would talk to him. And, and um, some of the other guys that are in the prayer group actually work in the, in the coffee bar. 
and they noticed that Graham was doing something different with Ross because it was very obvious to anybody else but me, you see. I was just doing my plastic Christian duty. And so, and so Kaylee comes over and says, hey, we've noticed that um, you're hanging out with Ross. And by this time, all Ross's homies and groupies are gathered around the coffee table too. You know, so at any point in time, there could be the atheist or the guy that's in the Masonic Lodge or another guy that's in some weird and wacky religion gathered round on Ross's table having a cup of coffee, and I'm in the middle of it, listening to the conversation. Anyway, Katie says, we've noticed that Ross is changing since you started being uh, more loving towards him. That was an ouch. <laughs> the truth and so and so anyway a few weeks after that we're sitting at this table and Ross pulls this piece of paper out of his pocket and Kaylee's sitting there and he gives this bit of paper to Kaylee and it's an advertisement for a healing service at Hope Center over the weekend down in the hut and Ross says Kaylee will you take me to this so this guy's 78 he hates his father. He hates his son. He hates his ex, ex. I mean, he is a mess, big time. And you know how you can get into conversations with people and you don't know what to say? Well, you know, sometimes there's nothing to say. And the best thing you can do is just keep your trap shut but keep relating. Well, that was about the size of it. And anyway, any, anyway Katie takes him on Sunday night. And I walk into the shop on Monday and here's Kaylee talking to Ross at the table and Pat's there and I grab a coffee and went over and here she is talking to him about forgiving his father, forgiving his ex-wife, forgiving his son. And, and she's doing a real good job. So I'm just sitting there and I'm praying away under my breath and Pat is too. And then she says to Ross, do you think that you can forgive your dad and your mother? And what about your ex-wife? And he says, no, nah, can't do that, don't want to. And what had happened on the Sunday night is that Ross had found himself up in the prayer line and he gave his heart to the Lord. That's why Katie was having the conversation with him because he only got partly healed because he has a crutch, crippled up. And Kaylee was talking to him about perhaps the reason that you're not completely healed is because of unforgiveness and resentment. And at that point, after he said, no, there's no way, I'm not ever going to forgive those guys, Kaylee kicks me under the table. <laughs> and it's like, come on, Graham, say something. I didn't know what to say. And out of my mouth, before I could zip it, popped out this. Hey, Ross, that's cool if you can't forgive him. But what about praying a simple prayer, asking God to bring you to the place where you could? I'm not smart enough to think about that. It had to be the Holy Ghost, I tell you. And he looked at me, and after what seemed an age, he says, yeah, I can do that. I'll do it when I get home. Kaylee goes, oh, no, that's not good enough. She goes, well, why don't you do it right here? This is 11 o'clock in the morning in the coffee bar, full of patrons, full of customers. And we end up leading him in this prayer where he begins to forgive the people that he hates 
And on the way through, we deliver them from a few demons. And, that, you know, nobody around in the coffee bar knows what's going on. And then the gym lady comes in who is real anti-Christian. But we've all joined a gym, so we can build a relationship with her in the community. I mean, we could get a cheaper gym free down in the valley, but we just want to get involved in our community. And she, she's very polite, very nice, always says a lie, real right into new, new age stuff like you wouldn't believe. And she comes over to says hello, and Ross, who's not even 15 hours born again, looks at her and says, hey, Tay, guess what happened to me last night? I got saved, and I got a little bit healed too. And Kaylee and Graham had just been praying for me about blah, 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 blah. And Tony's, you know, wriggling and getting uncomfortable, and she just shoots for the door, and she's gone. Then Ross gets up out of his chair, and he reaches over for his walking stick, and he walks out the door completely healed. What could happen if you find out what you've got in your hand? You're willing to ask him this morning. See, you don't have to be the greatest preacher. You don't have to be the greatest communicator. You don't have to be a book writer. You don't have to be anybody. You just need to be who God created you to be. And he's waiting. You see, we're crying out to God to do something. He is wanting to do it, but he's waiting for his people to be positioned. See, as you keep walking, you are getting positioned. All you have to do, you worship team, you keep walking, God's positioning you, getting you guys ready for something that you haven't even thought of, that you don't even know how to do. And I think that there's going to be a great harvest before the Lord returns. I think there's going to be a mighty awakening in this nation again and other nations. But you know what? Those of us that have been in the outpourings and the revivals and know how to do it, when that day comes, we won't know how to do anything because our learned behavior from the past will not equip us for what's coming in the future. And I know that some people would react to that, but I don't really give a stuff <laughs> because I'm done with playing with church I'm done with church being the same old same old and I go to church and know exactly what's going to happen push this button and this happens and push that button and that happens God's looking for a people whose heart is wrecked for him let's finish up on Jeremiah let's open it up Jeremiah 29 any of this made sense this morning I hope it has encouraged you. Because you see, what God started that day when the whole thing exploded, he still carries it in his heart for a people. 29.11 says, I have, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you when you seek me and find me 
Sorry, when you, sorry. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This nation is in exile. You know, there's friends and relatives, relations, relatives. There are so many people outside the walls of the church that have been touched by God and no longer following him. doesn't matter about the reasons. You know, it's in our walk as we walk into the plans that he has for us, it's really important that you don't get caught up in solical thinking, making judgments about why people are where they are at or how they got there because you don't know the heart of the person. Only God does. And when you've heard one side of a story, it's really easy to be prejudiced. Prejudice is not what the people need. They need to see the heartbeat of the Father beating out of your hearts to a world that is lost, to a world that has no hope. No, it's not legislation that's going to change this nation. It is an encounter with the living God. God is waiting for us to be positioned so he can move. Your prayer this coming Friday is going to be so important. And I encourage you, just even if you can only do half an hour, split it up with somebody, do a couple of parts, if you have to. If you don't know how to pray, just pray in tongues. Just put music on. Just cry out to the God. Be real to him. Be relational with him. It's about relationship. It's so about relationship. You know, Paul... When he, I mean, he was left for dead. He was stoned. He, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had this incredible encounter, and yet he said that he would count it as all of it as nothing just to know him. That's my prayer. That's my cry. It's the cry of my heart. All you have to do is push into the Lord and keep walking. Ask him, Holy Spirit's just waiting for you to say, Oi, what do I need to do? What is it that I have in my hand? You know, it might, it doesn't have to be a coffee shop, just that was what it was for us because we asked the question. God, it, it may be something you don't know, but God is waiting. Are you willing? Will you say yes? Show me how. Can we have the worship team back? This could be a crazy thought, probably is, but 
<coughs> why don't you this week in one of your prayer meetings, somebody bring a hanky and pray over it and then give it to Tony so he wears it all the time. Why don't you do that to all the people that are needing healing in the body? And then let God do what God wants to do. If, if you don't have your own stories, just keep telling everybody else's stories because the same faith that created that miracle, that created that story, every time that story's told, it's released that faith in the atmosphere and it builds your faith. Keep telling the stories. Keep going back and... Because you, know, you guys have got some good stories. I know, because I meet with Tony on and off. And I hear about what he's doing in your midst. And keep, it doesn't matter how old the stories are, keep telling them. Because then you'll get fresh ones. Because you go through seasons. Sometimes you just, everywhere you turn, miracles are popping everywhere. And then you go through seasons where nothing seems to be happening. And that's the time when we learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord and we tell our stories. Amen. You got a song in your heart? Good. Good. Let's stand and just worship. I, I want to open up the altar. Um, if you want prayer this morning, if you just want to be blessed, that's okay. But I would like to lay hands on as many of you as I can and release a fresh revelation of who you are in God and what it is that you have in your hand. Amen. God bless you.